Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Episode 2 of Arrowhead Pride presents Joe and BK on the Chiefs. <laughs> we back in here, baby. What's good, baby? How you doing, BK? I'm great, Ron. We're going to have audio that sounds at least somewhat better this week. I think by week three, we're going to have this thing ready to go. Like, it's going to be the greatest sound, sounding podcast anybody's ever heard. Listen, I thank God for everybody who hung in there and listened. The, the feedback we got from the takes, people were crushing me. It felt It felt back at home a little bit. About uh, about my Julio Jones take, which was obviously right, but people were were crushing me in a in a major way, and it felt good. So hopefully you're right. The audio sounds right. Real quick before we get into these Chiefs takes, I gotta say, man, congratulations! I know you're getting married. Congratulations! You're going to. I, I just want you to know you'll be three in a row. The, anybody who works with me gets married. This is the third person in a row that has worked with me. They get married. You get married. Am I going to be in the wedding? Who knows? I know I got some time to work on that. I'm too. I was pissed. thinking best man was not out of the question. I mean, we got six months here. It's not. Listen, <laughs> we're going to be close in here with these chief stakes. All right. So I'm just throwing out just a congratulations um, and your beautiful bride to be this. Uh, I can't I can't wait for this. I'll be I will make a trip to St. Louis. I'm telling you, I will make I will make a trip. My well, wife. Thank you. We'll leave the kids. We'll so the last uh, the last 18 months has been rather eventful, Ron. So I moved to St. Louis. I proposed to my then girlfriend, now fiance, of course. And then, you know, we decided, hey, let's go ahead and buy a house right coming out of a pandemic, too, because, you know, that's what people do the same year that they get married. So I'm broke. I'm getting ready to get married. And uh, now we've got a podcast together. So it's great. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm telling you, it's great. Hey, my wasn't crazy. I moved to Houston, bought a house, had a kid. A third one. So yeah, it's 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 been wild and crazy. All right, let, let's jump into this because I do find this interesting. You have in your mind there are some players for the Chiefs that are entering a you better get your sh- together. This is make or break. If you if you don't get it together, we don't got time for you. Brett and Andy. Brett Veach, who I want to specifically call him by his full name, Brett Veach and Andy Reid, they ain't got time for it. You got some, who who are some people that are make or break for you? So it's interesting because the first one that I'm going to say is probably not like the first one that would come to mind for most Chiefs fans. Um, And the reason that I'm going to bring him up first is just because I got a lot of blowback against him. So you know how I got to do this, Ron. I got to brush back against that blowback that I got. I can't wait to hear this. How about Harrison Bucker? To make or break your talk about some damn kickers. Now look here, I, I a kicker. I almost got up and walked away. I said all those nice things about you getting married and a damn and a kicker, Harrison Buck. I don't even know if I want to hear this out. A kicker. You That's know what? what Her- you lead off with. 
You got so many a uh, kicker. Do you know how much Harrison Butker is scheduled to make next year, Ron? Do you know? What three mil? Three point five million dollars. For a kicker, as you said, a kicker. No, nah, he's got to be great next year for him to be on the roster once again, or he's going to get cut because the Chiefs can save almost $3 million by cutting him next year. So yeah, Ron, my first make or break guy, Harrison Bucker's got to stop missing extra points. He's got to start being in a situation where he is an elite upper echelon kicker again. I joke, I kid, he's like not the number one guy, of course, but in all seriousness, if he doesn't have a great season, not a good one, a great season, he really is not going to be a chief in 2022. Yeah. And with his tag, his price tag, he'll, he may be able to be great next year and still not be one either way because you start to get up there for a kicker. But, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to say you're right. I mean, you are a little, but, like, he's got to stop missing extra points and stop making himself. But you just can't lead this thing off with a kicker. All right, let, let's lead off with a real one, okay? All right. And, uh, and uh, you, you can't lead this off with him. And I, need, I need something more. Everybody right now, at the sound of my voice, Whenever you hear this, you're writing, you're listening at your desk somewhere. If you're in London, in, in, in Kansas City, in Blue Springs, in Lee Summit, in Leewood, wherever the hell you are, I want you to find his Twitter, Brandon Kylie's Twitter, and tweet him, what the hell are you talking about with a damn kicker? That's what I want you to do right now. All right, All please, right. Do, you have, do you have a real conversation you want to get into? I've got five guys in total. Next who is it? I've got five guys in total. We'll get to one that I do think actually could be an interesting conversation. McCole Hardman. This is a real one. McCole Hardman's entering year three as a wide receiver. For a lot of guys, this is the year where they finally see the breakout, especially in Andy Reid's offense. We've heard all along. It's tough to get involved in this system. It's tough to get everything down. McCole took a step back last year. Year one, you could point to the 20 yards per reception and say he had a good season. You could point to the six touchdowns and say, hey, that's really good. He was incredibly efficient. He had some massive games, some huge plays. I could see why there were Chiefs fans that going into last year had a lot of excitement about what McCole Hardman could be for them. And then it just never really came around. He was basically the same player, but less efficient in doing so. So going into year three, he needs to be your number two wide receiver. Like for him to have a successful year this year, it would be him being your X wide receiver, which I said last week, and I, I still believe, I do not think he is capable of. I do not think that is the role that best fits what his skill set is, but that's what he needs to be for this to be a successful season for McCole Hardman. You know what? McCole, I just want you to know show's in your corner. I'm here. I, like Right now, the slander that is gone on McCole Hardman, I've had it. I'm done with. I'm done with it. I am team McCole Hardman. Now, this could be potentially dangerous. I have had some mishaps in my in my history where I latched on to people and I I thought they were going to do something. I put the flag in the turf last year for David Johnson, the running back. I thought he was going to really turn it around and he sucked ass. Breakthrough season. Yes, it was he was <laughs> awful. But I am team McCole Hardman. I don't think it's fair. And you know what, Brandon? You are, and that's why I called you Brandon, you are one of the reasons why the slander is ridiculous. He's a, He's been in two years. He's got 
He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Kelsey. Like, and he had Sammy Watkins, you know, sometimes, but, you know, tenderfoot. I mean, he had those guys in front of him who were going to get more balls thrown their way to him. And I know Sammy was out and he had some, but he's two years into it. Like, he's got to get more of a chance. Like, I feel like people have just written him off. And anytime he does something bad or he, he messes up or he, do, I'm done. Oh, I'm over him. I'm over him. Like, don't quit. I'm not quitting you, McCole. I'm not quitting you at all. I think it's unfair. This is year three. Now we should see a step. Now Sammy Watkins is completely going. And he knows that he is the dude opposite Tyreek Hill. He knows his spot. And I think he, I think when you tell me he's got Patrick Mahomes, his quarterback, the best in the in the game, you tell me he has two guys that are going to command coverage. One of them, every time between Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, are going to command double teams, and he has the best play designer in the NFL and the best offensive mind since Bill Walsh. I'm going to give this cat a chance, another chance in year three before just quitting me, just quitting his ass. I'm not quitting him. So I think it's I think it's unfair, McCall. He's been in here for two years. This is his time to take the step forward. I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler or anything like that, but I do think he's going to come out here and satisfy what you should, what he should be with his role with everybody out there. So you keep saying, you know, hey, it's year three for him. You got to be nice to him. It's it's very early. Be nice. Hey, Ron, can I give you a quick list of the players from his draft class that have been more productive than McCole Hardman so far? Just from his draft class. I'm not going like guys that are 10 years older that are vets that have been around. This is exclusively from the same draft when he was selected. Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Hunter Renfro, Darius Slayton. That's from his draft class, Ron. I just I feel like I listed half of the dang second and third round when he went. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, it's really early in his career when the other dudes that were selected around the same range when he was selected have been better so far than he has. And can he get to that next level? Maybe he's, he's fast. We know that. I don't know what else right now he's bringing to the table though. I want it for him. I, I think I love talking to McColl. I enjoyed my conversations with McColl. I think he's a great kid, But I just, I don't see the route refinement. I don't see a guy that is, when it comes to the timing routes, on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. I remember being at training camp in his rookie year. And the reason why I bring this up is because it's the same issues we see still now. And Patrick Mahomes would regularly say, McColl, you got to keep running. You can't stop on the play. And that's been an issue that we've seen not only in training camp two years ago, we continue to see it still in the games for him. So, I want it to work for him, man. I want to be on the same page as you and be on Team McCool, but it's really hard for me to do so. That's okay. I'm going to hold it down by myself, damn it. All right? I got the flag. I'm going to hold it down. I just want you to be fair. With a lot of those guys that you name, they are the first or second option on their team. And McCool Hardman, it, just from the receiver standpoint, he has been option four. Like, he's been an option behind Hill, Kelsey, and even Sammy Watkins, 
when Tenderfoot is out there, sometimes he's been out. He's like he's been the the fourth option. Listen, I'm not going to say that some of this ain't been on him. Now he now this is year three, and I do have an ex- expectation that he now knows the offense and he knows uh, how how Pat Mahomes wants routes run, and he stops running the wrong routes. I do have an expectation in that, and I'll get you. This ain't just everything else and circumstance around him. He's got to he's got to pick it up as well. But I think he can, and I think this is this is a natural thing. Two years, you know, two years in the league, being the third or fourth option, mostly the fourth option. I don't think he's had. I bet you, if you and I, I didn't do this because I know you're the stat guy. I bet you, if you compared the targets to guys like Terry McLaurin and and Slayton and hell, even Hunter Renfro, who Derek Derek Carr is in love with. On, on third downs and loves to throw the ball to him. Like if you compared uh, the, who else is in that? Oh, Deontay Johnson, who has basically become some, it seems like Ben's number one target here in the last year. Like those guys have a lot more targets to them. Now you get Sammy's uh, injury prone ass up out of there. And I think you're going to see more targets. I just, man, Brandon, it is hard for me. To give up on that guy's speed ability, and yes, you're right, his route running has to improve, but it's hard for me to think this cat's consistently going to see one-on-ones, and he's got the best quarterback in the game, and he's got the best play caller and designer in the game, that this cat can't take another step in year three when he just gets one-on-ones consistently. And I got uh, let, let me let me hit you with this. What is an acceptable type of season for you from him? What what would be an acceptable thing where you'll say, all right, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking bad about McCole Hardman and quit on him. Quitter. I, <laughs> quitter. Uh I would say anything above like 800 yards. As a number two receiver, 750, 800. If he if he's around that range, if he can average in a I guess seven 17 game season, I got I gotta get better with this. I keep forgetting that we're at 17 games this year. So yeah, eight, so, eight, yeah, 800, 850, somewhere around there. That's that's what I'm going to hold him to. And I'll go ahead and make a couple of comparisons for you, Ron. If you want to look back at like yesteryear of Chiefs history, a guy that this really reminds me of, and they're different players for sure. And the reason why this guy's career didn't really take off, I think, was an injury. But it reminds, it reminds me of the conversation we were having early on about Chris Conley. Like, man, why doesn't that guy get more targets? Why can't he see the field more often? Every time he's out there, it feels like he's pretty good. But why why isn't this working out for him? And the answer was he just wasn't that good, man. Like, he's a great individual. I love talking to Chris Conley. He was fun. But he's just, he's a, if he's your number two wide receivers, you're always going to be looking to upgrade your number two wide receiver spot. And that's kind of how I feel about McColl. McColl's a guy that's tantalizing in terms of the talent that he brings to the table, much like Chris Conley was. You remember, he lit it up at the NFL Combine, had one of the greatest vertical jumps we've ever seen from a receiver. It just never worked for him. And then this one's probably going to be a little unfair, but I will give you this as well. If you're looking statistically at the production and kind of more player profile, the way they played, Sammy Parker had a very similar start to his career as well as what we've seen from McColl Hardman. Sammy Parker today was not ready for Sam Parker today. All right, th- listen. The the Chris Conley one. That's not bad. That's a pretty good one. That that's a, that's a pretty good thought about Chris Conley. My 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 thing with Chris Conley though is, you're right. He showed it at the combine level. Chris Carter did even or Chris Carter. Sorry, Chris Conley. He showed did. it at the NFL level. Chris Carter did. <laughs> I still don't know why he got fired. Uh, but 
Chris Conley, he just never even really showed the glimpses at the NFL level. Right. Like he never there was never where you said, damn, there's that dude that was six, whatever, 200 some pounds and runs a four three coming out of Georgia. McCall Hardman is at least shown flashes where you're like, because I think that's why he gets because, listen, you're not alone. The Chiefs Nation, they, they are ready to throw McCall Hardman in the trash. They are ready to trade him right now and move on past him. Like I said, I think he comes in. Lord forbid that that game week one against the Browns, if he drops a ball, oh, God, early. He could catch two touchdown passes. That's what we're going to remember because we have just sold out for McCole Hardman. But I just – the thing that I think t- ticks people off is you've seen the actual glimpses for him. Like his rookie year, how he just ran away from Earl Thomas in a game against yeah, the Yeah, that Ra- Baltimore game. That's what we're always going to remember, right? Him going uh, down the middle repeatedly against Baltimore and just shredding their defense. Yeah, and and, and like he's just – or like the, the reverse that he's got for a touchdown where he changed the game. You just see the, 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 the game-changing ability that he has, and it's like, God, how come we can't be more consistent? Let's see what happens. I really want to see what happens when you move somebody out of the way and he now knows coming in, I'm not just a gadget dude that I got a spot and I'm playing right here where Sammy Watkins was and I and, and I have targets coming my way. All right. Now, if 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 Demarcus Robinson somehow takes his job, then you're right. He's Chris Conley. But I don't and, know, I'm not quitting on you, McCole. And not. that's the thing that I'm I get frustrated by is Demarcus Robinson wouldn't be taking his job. Demarcus Robinson is the guy that had that job. And so McColl's going to have to take it from Demarcus. Like to be the number two wide receiver next year, it would be him jumping Demarcus Robinson on the depth chart. And that's frustrating because when they, when they drafted him and we don't have to get into all the reasons why, like that was just a weird night for the chiefs. But when they drafted him, the hope was that by year two, definitely certainly by year three, we'd be talking about a guy that's like T.Y. Hilton or uh, somebody in that vein where, yeah, he's undersized. No, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to be a true possession wide receiver, but he can take the top off of the the defense at all times. Um, Tyler Lockett was another guy that he was comps to whenever they drafted him. He just hasn't been that. Those guys are really good route runners, and that's the place that McColl, it's year three, he's really got to get there. By the way, you mentioned like when I say make or break, I do want to clarify this. McCole Hardman's going to be on the team in year four no matter what because he's cheap, he's cost-controlled, he's a guy that's going to be under contract. It's just make or break in my mind of can you be going into year four as a number two receiving option for the Chiefs or do they need to go into next offseason planning to upgrade that position? Make or break if he's going to be a serious player down the line for this team. Who else you got? Okay, so we got a couple others. Let's go to uh, Frank Clark. Big year for Frank Clark. The Chiefs decided this offseason not to restructure his deal. So what that means is what they can do with these this money stuff, Ron, they can take his base salary, which for the 2021 season, let me look this up to make sure. Yeah, it's $18.5 million. So they could take like, let's say $12 million out of that and just give it to him as a signing bonus. And it's all accounting. He's getting that money either way. So if they give it to him as a signing bonus, For the cap purposes, that goes over the life of the deal. So they can add it on three more years. So it's $4 million this year, four next year, and four the year after that. So he would count for $8 million less against the cap this year, 
but it also ties them to him longer. That becomes dead money in 2022 and 2023. So it's harder to cut him later on. So the reason why I find that really interesting that they did not decide to restructure him is if they had done that, they would have had more flexibility this offseason to go make other significant moves. And now they allow themselves a little more flexibility with Frank Clark. And next offseason, if they wanted to, they could cut him. They'd save about $13 million by cutting him next offseason. It's the first time that it becomes realistic for them to do so. If he does not have a good year this year, if it's another injury-riddled season, it's going to be really hard for them not to talk themselves into, man, maybe it is time for us to decide to go a different direction with Frank. I like Frank Clark. I think he brings an attitude that this team lacked before him arriving in Kansas City, but you better play really well to be deserving of that $26 million cap hit that you've got right now on the sheets for next year. BK, I don't know if you will think this is this is over the top. To me, I think Frank Clark is Andy Reid and Britt Veach's single biggest mistake they've made. Um, I, I think he's a miss. Uh, for me and from what he's been in his two years he's a miss and I don't just look at because they won a Super Bowl that oh it's all good no he's been a miss he's not been uh, near the production consistent production when you sign him he was the third highest paid defensive player in the NFL behind Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack you thought you were getting some type of guy with that level of production. And if you looked at it at that time, his production was very comparable to Khalil Max when he was in Seattle. The, the couple of years he could rush the passer. He was great against the run. He's come here, and he has not been that. He has not been worth what his contract is. It is a single biggest mistake. He does not game in and game out absolutely dominate teams he does not game in and game out make you feel like we got to know where he is we got to double team him all the time he's not been that dude at all it's been the single biggest mistake of Andy Reid and Brett Veach and to me I don't I mean I don't know what he's got to do like I look at this I don't think he's about to have a breakout year I know our guy, rest in peace, Therese Paler, will always say the contract year is undefeated. And damn sure he, he should be looking at this like it's a contract year because, as you just so eloquently and beautifully laid out, his ass can be cut th- after this year. And to me, I like to me, that's the move. This is Frank Clark's last season with the Kansas City Chiefs because I can't imagine. BK that he can put together some level of production that will make you say, Whoa, Lord, we got to bring him back because we believe the older he gets, he's going to be this productive. We believe those first two years when we used to see his ass out there playing patty cake with guys and having, he was the king of stalemates um, with, with tackles like, Oh, that, that guy's, that guy's not coming back with age. No, this guy. So I can't see Frank coming back. I can't see Frank doing anything that, that, and I promise you, Frank, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, this isn't because you have blocked me on Twitter and that you're not a big fan of mine because I speak honestly about you. Uh, but it's it's just the truth. I can't see him coming back. And to me, the Chiefs have been too smart. They can get the production that Frank Clark is giving them and will give them as he gets older 
somewhere else and much cheaper. So, yes, this could be make or break, but, I mean, I can't see PK him putting together a season where you're like, wow, oh, man, like we got to have him. So uh, I move two minds on this. First of all, on the biggest mistake that they've made, I would say it's Breland speak still in that first draft as a whole. I think that that was the bigger mistake. Uh, and, and it just financially didn't cost them that much. Yes. And Breland speaks just continues to get bigger. I think by the day still <laughs> that that is the, the financial component of it is important. And the fact I'm that sorry. they traded the first round pick as well. Why did they try to stand that man up? That was the most. Why would you stand him up? That is that is. I'm sorry. It's, we'll never forget after after they drafted Breland Speaks. I will never forget. Um, Brett Veach came out publicly afterwards and had his press conference that he always gives after the draft. And he said, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me about Breland Speaks was that he was never he's never on the ground whenever I watched him on film. Ron, I went back and rewatched the film. All I could see was the dude on the ground. Like, when he was at Ole Miss, his biggest thing was him waiting, <laughs> laying on the ground. It was amazing. But anyways, that's beside the point. I would say that's that's still the biggest mistake for them. On Frank Clark, it really is for me all about the health. I don't think he's been healthy at any point in his time in Kansas City. And that, that's part of it. That's part of a player evaluation. If you can't stay healthy, I mean, we saw this with Sammy Watkins. It's really hard to keep you around long-term, especially when the financial commitment is so significant. So that's part of it. But then you look at what he's done in the playoffs. Ronnie stepped up every time they get to the playoffs. He has eight sacks and six career playoff games with the Chiefs. He has 10 tackles for loss in those games, 10 quarterback hits. He's been super productive when they need it the most. So in some ways, he's almost defensive version of Sammy Watkins. Sammy stepped up whenever they made it to the playoffs. And when did he end up going elsewhere? After the season when he didn't step up in the playoffs. He was hurt once again this year, didn't work out in the postseason for him. They decided we've got to move on. We can't do run this back once again. And I think that's going to be the question for Frank Clark this year. Even if he ends up with another six-sack season in the regular season, even if it is a little injury-riddled and you get to October, November, and it's like, man, where – Where's Frank Clark? Why, why isn't he more productive right now? If he's able to once again step up in the playoffs, he looks like one of their best players on the field, one of their five or six best guys. I think you will see him back once again in 2022. I will say this, though, Ron, next year, this time when we're talking, they better have a little bit better of a insurance policy for him. Right now, there is nobody behind Frank Clark that's going to push him out the door. Next year, I, I think that's probably... If I was setting a betting favorite for what the Chiefs will draft in the first round next year, I would say it's either wide receiver or defensive end. Those would be the two spots that I would look at most going into next year's draft. Well, it won't be wide receiver because McCole Harmon will have come in and had a 900-yard season in eight touchdowns. Maybe kicker, too, let's be honest. Yeah, kicker, too. No, I just – my thing with Frank is, like, even in those playoff games, he does have numbers. I can't compute with those numbers. But it's like, oh, out of nowhere, right? Like, you know, at the end of the Titan game, the AFC championship game. He Texans game, too. Yeah, in Texas. Like, but you won't you won't even know he's out there for two quarters. Like, you won't even – like, you will not have heard his name called for, like, two and a half quarters. And for what they're paying him and for what you expect him to be, that dude's got to be a problem all game long. And teams have to look at him and view him as a problem. Right now, the person they view as a problem on that, on that defense is 95 not 55, and that's where they go. 
in the whole way. So, all right, uh, let's get to let's get to one more. Who's one of your who's one more of your make or break players that have a make or break season for the Chiefs? Let's go, Travarius Ward. This will be my final one for us. Um, Travarius Ward is entering a season that I think is really important for him. The Chiefs have placed a little bit of trust in him. They have DeAndre Baker on the outside. They decided to make the trade for Mike Hughes, but I would say going into the year. Your two starting corners right now are Legereus Sneed and Charvarius Ward. Um, and I don't know if I have the utmost confidence in that, but this is the year that he needs to make good on their bet on him. He needs to be more than potential. He needs to turn that into production. It's a contract season for him. He's ready to get paid. And in the words of our great friend, Therese Paler, contract year is indeed undefeated. I expect a good season out of him, but he's he's got to be better. He, he's got when the ball is in the air, that's where things need to go better for him this year. He's got to have more ball production. You will see. For him, it definitely is. He just I don't know. I I I feel like he's just a guy that's reached his ceiling. That, that that's what it feels like to me. Like it feels like he could he could get better. I just hope this isn't a situation where the Chiefs get duped. You know what I mean by getting duped or somebody comes out with like seven interceptions or six interceptions, but there's not really a great level of improvement from what they were. They just happen to be in the right spot and get, and, and get seven interceptions. I'm not saying turn the ball over is nothing, but that I, I hope it is a trick thing. I hope if he is someone that deserves to get the next contract, it's not by, oh, this guy had seven interceptions this year because teams were picking on his ass and they're throwing it his way and he got a couple of uh, picks. I hope you do. Marcus Cooper-esque? Is that who you're thinking of? Marcus yes. Cooper? Marcus Cooper-esque, yes. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I just get the feel from him. He, he's a ceiling guy. Sneed, to me, feels like there's something more there, and I think the Chiefs really see that with him. But Chavarius, my guy, Chavarius Ward, he feels like he's reached a ceiling, and I'm, I'm not sure. If, I think he's going to get picked on a lot. I think that's where people are going to go a lot is is his way. So they should if they're smart they should, you know, cuz Legereus is just a flat out better football player right now and Traverius Ward needs to have a good season for this team defensively to reach its peak. I know earlier today uh, out at Chiefs OTAs they finished OTAs this week. Um they were talking a lot about how they're putting so much emphasis on the red zone. And that's one place where he he needs to be better. He's a bigger corner. He's got the size to be able to match up with some of those bigger wide receivers that they're going up against. He needs to take on that challenge. And sometimes I know he's battled with confidence issues in the past. Be super confident down there. Play your best. And that that's where you can get paid. Third downs, money downs, red zone. That's where he can get himself paid. Whether it's in Kansas City or elsewhere, that's how he's going to do it. All right, Traverius, hey, you better get that money. It's time for you to try to get that bag. And let me tell you what, McCole, I need you. Don't mess me up. Don't screw me over. Don't you come out here with no four or five hundred yard season? Because if you do, I'll find you. <laughs> All right, BK, Ron the Show back here. Arrowhead presents BK, or is it Show? Whatever the hell it is, Show and BK on the Chiefs. We just uh. All right, we got to get to the, the the argument that we had last week. Finally, 
we can move past this Julio Jones thing. Somebody said we've already, yes, we can. We've heard reports that the Falcons have a first round pick on the table for Julio Jones. And I'll be damned if that's the Kansas City Chiefs who are. Oh, you're ruling that out. You're ruling Brett Veach. I'm ruling. I'm not, listen, Brett, it ain't worth it. It it damn sure ain't worth no first round pick. So I'm going to, can we just pretend to rule the Chiefs? I'm going to pretend, make an executive position, decision here, not a position, whatever I just said. But we're going to rule out the Chiefs. They better not lay down a first-round pick. I know what they did to get Orlando Brown. That made sense. They better not not bring a first-round pick to get a 32, soon-to-be 33-year-old injured wide receiver. No. No, they better not do that. But the thought would be, well, who is putting that first-round pick on the table? Who, who are the teams if the Chiefs don't get – because I know some people out there who said the Chiefs need to just get him so somebody else doesn't get him. Who are the teams that the Chiefs should have most concern for to get him? I'm going to lead this off. There is one team that is number one on this list for me, and I know I feel like somebody's going to look at me crazy, but that is the Indianapolis Colts. To me, The Indianapolis Colts are the team where I would say, well, hold on now. Okay. That's a team that has really good talent. You know their real run. We know Chris Ballard and the moves he can make. He set that defense up. They've got a guy who has a terrible last name for a head coach. So that's why he's a defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. Just can't trust a guy being a head coach with the last name Eberflus. Just, you can't do it. But Matt Eberflus is a hell of a defensive coach, and they've got a lot of parts over there. And you start to look at that great offensive line. Now you pair Julio, T.Y. Hilton, Pittman they got in the draft last year with Jonathan Taylor. Woo! And here's the reason why I say the Colts is because there's not a lot of quarterbacks that can hang with Patrick Mahomes. And I know what Carson Wentz has shown. But if you get the good Carson Wentz, the guy that worked with Frank Wright in Philadelphia, the guy who would have won an MVP if Tom Brady, of course, steals it because he got injured. If you get that guy, that guy who drugged the Eagles to the playoffs with lawn chairs and Weber grills out there as wide receivers. I mean, he had Greg Ward, who played quarterback at Houston, was his top target. I mean, he had all kinds. If you get the Carson Wentz that – that got paid the $100 million contract that nobody really batted an eye. And Frank Wright can bring that guy back. Now you have a quarterback that can make big-time throws and plays, not to the level of, of Patrick Mahomes, but good enough or close enough to the level in a way that Baker, to me, doesn't scare me to think. Josh Allen, to me, is really up and down. He doesn't – he makes too many mistakes, in my opinion. Like, I don't – like Carson Wentz would be the other quarterback if he had weapons and had a guy like Julio who just makes the game easier for everybody else and they can move T.Y. Hilton around and he's getting singled a lot. That is the team that would concern me the most. The Indianapolis Colts, they're in a poor division where I think they can rack up wins because they got the Jags and the tight and the Texans in their division. That's a team to me, the number one team that if I'm the Chiefs, I would say, mm, wish he didn't go there. It's interesting because I actually find them to be one of the more overrated teams in the league. Do you? Um, I, I do. And I felt this way for a few years now. 
I think that they are very well run, but I think because so many people like Chris Ballard, we sometimes overlook what he does that should annoy the hell out of all of us. He's had a pretty good team over the last couple of years. Not a great one, but a pretty good one. And yet, for whatever reason, he does not go out and spend in free agency at all. He refuses to do it. And as a result of that, I think he has kind of sold, he has shorted his team, basically. He's gone out and he's, he's refused to go out and play in the, the expensive, high, high leverage waters with some of the top-end talent that's out there. Why was it not the Colts that were in on uh, Trent Williams? Why were they not in on that bidding war? Why was it the Chiefs that were in on that and not the Colts? Colts had more money to spend. The Colts arguably had a bigger need at the position. And they ended up getting the Chiefs guy that they cut that's coming back from a torn Achilles over the age of 30. That's their left tackle now. I don't love that move. I'm just confused by the way that they have decided to go about constructing this roster. They've definitely got talent. He is an excellent drafter. But I... I would not be super worried about them, even with Julio, just because I think there is a gap between where the Chiefs are talent-wise, especially with the top-end guys on their team, and where the Colts are talent-wise, especially with the top-end guys. I don't know, man. Because with Jonathan Taylor and Nosebeck, and they get Mac back, they can run the ball effectively. But the offensive line isn't what it once was. And that's, that's the thing. Is like I'm with you. The running game should be what carries them. But now their offensive line isn't at the same level. They've got Quentin Nelson. He's great, but it's just – He's great. I mean, he's fantastic. Hall of Famer. Yeah, he, he's amazing. Love, love me some Quentin Nelson. They just don't, to me, scream, this is a team that's going to make it to the Super Bowl. And, and that that is without even getting into the Carson Wentz debate in any way. Yeah, he, he just gives – he gives – I think Julio Jones would they give them options of well – like, I just – I. Listen, I don't love the Eric Fisher thing, and I, I hope they'd have a backup playing there. But I, I still, I mean, he's an he's an average left tackle when healthy. He's an average left tackle, so I think they could sustain it because I love the other portions of their line. But I think they could sustain that. But what they're missing is an absolute dude that just like T. Y. Hilton is not really that anymore. But they miss a dude that can just say, oh, man, we've got to stop him. They've got a bunch of twos, but they don't have a – you get Julio that's a dude, and he just changes everything. He helps Eric Fisher. He helps T.Y. Hilton. He helps the running game, and they become incredibly balanced. And I think in a major way, he helps Carson Wentz. One of the things we saw with Carson Wentz was – Man, it, it just fell apart in terms of, and I think a lot of the situation around didn't help, but it fell apart in terms of him diagnosing things and, and being able to read defenses. Well, Julio is the type of guy that uh, the way people are going to cover him, it, it it alleviates the ability of what you have to read because you got to help him. you got to commit to what you're going to do with him, and I think he helps him in a major way. And he knows that he knows that system, or I think he knows most parts of that system. Um, so I, I really, I really think to me that would be the dangerous place more than the Titans with Ryan Tannehill. Because oh, for sure. With Ryan Tannehill, I just don't think he can ever play with Pat. Right? And and I think I think we've seen good Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz, he's not thirty eight. I think he, I think there's still the ability for him to be able to play with. 
So I've got two answers for this. The team that people should fear the most if they acquire Julio Jones. One is for this year. The other is for long-term. I'll start with it this year. I think it's the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know Baker is not an elite-level quarterback. I think Baker is fine, though, and I think he can have an elite season similar to what we saw out of Matt Ryan a few years ago when he ended up winning MVP. I don't know if he's quite capable of, of that, but I think he can put together a really good season. And if you look at the top-end talent that they have on their roster, I think it's what people believe the Colts to be. They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, both of whom are top 10 running backs in the NFL. Jarvis Landry is one of the two or three best slot receivers in the league, probably. Rashard Higgins is a pretty good player. Austin Hooper is a solid tight end. They've got Odell, potentially, coming back outside this year, healthy. If you add Julio Jones to that mix, and they've got a really good offensive line. Now you're kind of cooking with gas a little bit, and suddenly we're talking about a team that can go head-to-head, not just with Patrick Mahomes, but that offense as a whole – And now you look at that opening week game, man, that could be like 42 to 45. That's the type of score that you could anticipate from something like that. The Browns weren't that far away from the Chiefs last year. If they had Julio Jones, I think you could see something really interesting from them. I mean, man, Baker Baker can't play with Odell. Like, for some reason, he he struggles with with Odell. And and in my mind, you would think if you got – Odell, Jarvis Landry, and and Julio Jones out there. You some you feel like someone you can play, but for some reason that cat produces better when he has shittier receivers. I don't know why, but he does. So it's, I mean, we'll, I don't know. I I just I feel like that that could be a self destructing thing for for Baker adding another. Personnel. I mean, Odell's enough for him. Julio's gonna want the ball. Jarvis Landry's gonna want the ball. I think they got. I think they got too many want the ball guys. Like they're just they're building too much there. I like that. That 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 would be my my qualm. He can't he can't throw to to Odell. He can't figure him out. Like so that 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 to me would be problematic. I think fair fair retort. The one thing that goes in their favor is just like. They, they have the money to do it. They've, they've got the cap space to do it. The other team that I would add long-term, the, the LA Chargers. I do not think this would be something where the Chargers immediately this year would be competing with the Chiefs to win the division. We've heard that for a decade. It hasn't happened. I do not think it would happen this year. I do think the Chargers are building something relatively interesting, though. I really like what they have in Brandon Staley. I think he's going to be a good coach. And it can't be a whole lot worse than what they had previously, where they were seemingly messing up late game decisions every single week. Making decisions just, oh, just by the seat of our pants. Let's go right here. (laughs) And I like Anthony Lynn, but just his in-game management was atrocious. Well, you could say it. He's not a good good head coach. Exactly. I, I think he's a good coach. He's underqualified to be a head coach, though. And I think Justin Herbert, if you were drafting the entire league today, and we're doing a fantasy-wise, uh, same way that you would on Madden, right? Everybody and their mama is taking Patrick Mahomes number one. I think Justin Herbert would probably be the number two pick for me. And when you're building around a guy like that, who in his first year in the league threw 31 touchdowns and 10 picks on a team that was depleted with a lot of injuries throughout the year, and behind an offensive line that was awful, yeah, that could get really interesting when you've got Keenan Allen and now you're adding Julio Jones to the mix with Austin Eckler in the passing game. Yeah, that, that that could be interesting in year two. 
My thing is, as you said, this would be a long-term play. How many years do you think Julio Jones has at this level? Two, two or three. Yeah, because that's because the injuries are going to to hit, and it may be two. Um, and I just, yeah, that that wouldn't concern me because I don't think Julio makes them like playoff worthy. I think they can make the playoffs this year as is. I do not think they're a threat to the Chiefs. I think they can make the playoffs. Um, and and some, sometimes people get that misconstrued where it's like, oh, you think the Chiefs stink and the Chargers are great. No, 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 no. I think the Chiefs could win 12, 13 games this year. I think the Chargers are closer to 10 or 11. But I think they could make the playoffs really? this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Oh. Derwin James coming back. You've got a top five quarterback in the league. Yeah, that, that should be Derwin a recipe to win 10 or 11 games. Back for a year and a half. It feels like something's like I, I'm just saying they, him and Bosa, something's going to happen to them. Like, this, sure. I mean, they're going to miss several games. We'll see. And we'll see how teams start to defend and react to um, uh, Justin Herbert. This year, we saw a change in how Lamar Jackson looked after they got a full year tape on him. We'll see how teams defend Justin Herbert. We'll see if he if he takes the step forward. I can't tenor. Oh, boy. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, I can't see that. I can't see that. I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. Well, they're getting four against the Raiders and Broncos. Well, yeah. Like, you think they're that better than the Raiders? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the Raiders could stink next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay off the Raiders because I had the Raiders, uh, I had the Raiders winning the division. Patrick Mahomes' first year, I thought like, hey, hey. Now, granted, they had not traded away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper when I made that prediction, but I had them winning the division. So I'm gonna I'm gonna step off the Raiders right now. I'm not gonna say I don't know if they're gonna suck or not, but oh, I don't see the Chargers ready to take that step yet. Who knows? Brandon Staley looked like a genius with that defense with the Rams last year. We'll see what he does with Bosa and company and Derwin James. He's got two guys that may play eight games, but he's got two guys that are, are, are elite guys at their position. So we'll see. See, man, we get to rocking and rolling. We always plan on doing like three, four topics, and we get going, and I start drinking this kettle one, and I can't, and I can't, we can't stop. And now we didn't run out of damn time. Before we get out of here, Ron, there was some big news in the NFL. We'll just hit this real quick. The NFL and NFLPA agreed to a $208 million salary cap ceiling for 2022. It does not mean that it's going to be $208 million. But that's the ceiling of where it could be. And typically, they kind of project these things to be somewhere around that. I bet you it's going to be $200 million next season for the salary cap. And that's a jump because it was it's at 182 now. And that's a, that's a big jump. That's huge for the Chiefs. Absolutely massive for the Chiefs. I'm not sure there's anybody in the sport that benefits more from this than Kansas City. And so this offseason, totally we, agree with that, BK. we talked about all the guys that are in, are in make or break seasons. The threshold for them to have that make or break is a little lower now. They, they can jump that bar. They can clear that bar a little easier because the team isn't going to get squeezed quite as much cap wise. Um, so it should help there. It should help with a potential Tyron Matthew extension. And if they end up coming out of next season with any glaring holes, I think they're going to be able to be uh, to fill those a little easier than otherwise. Mm, yeah. That, that Tyron Matthew that they should be able to with guys that they can, they can drop and, and, and get rid of and, Contracts will end up come off the books. 
they got a lot to push through to be able to that, that that's something we should talk about. Tyron Matthew. Is that somebody that you really want to re-sign? Is is he to a point that moving forward, he's his his body and his years, he's going to be the type of player where you feel like we gotta keep, we gotta sign long term. That that's that's an interesting one because this cap, like you said, this doesn't bit this benefits the Chiefs in a major, major way more than anybody else. Because they had to, they had to, and I had to give it to Brett Veach. They had to get real creative this past year to get themselves under the cap and get a lot of people to restructure. And now this opens the door to help them in a major way. That uh, that's us. That's two episodes down, baby. We hear every single Friday. If you're listening this long, boy, we, we love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you for that. Arrowhead Pride presents showing BK on the Chiefs. We got these Chiefs takes. Now, I'm gonna say it right now, BK. Ain't nobody. Nobody giving these Chiefs takes like Show and BK. They ain't nobody giving these Chiefs cake, Chiefs takes like Show and BK. Last week, BK was real nice and, and, and nice to other people around here. Well, I, I've got the shovel. Come get us. Come see us. Nobody's bringing it the way we are, baby. I have fun. I have fun every time doing this with you, BK, because it's only the second time we've done it. But I've had I have fun every time we do this, baby. Uh, talk to you next week. Let's get it in, baby. Love it.